The department, the apartment was filled with death, yes, and I it was. loaded up on so many vitamins and juices and everything because I was like, "Not today, Satan." So <laughs> I had the flu, and Sid kept telling me that she couldn't believe the doctor didn't give me medicine. And I'm like, "You, there is no medicine I mean, for the anything? flu. There's nothing." And I, I actually thought I had strep throat. That would have been an easier mm-hmm. fix than the flu, but. It was great. You went to Seattle all by yourself. I did. I taught four classes in two days. It was so exhausting, but everybody that was at the Thrive session, thank you for, you made me feel so not alone. I mean, I was eating. Seattle. Yeah, it was wonderful. And uh, I heard rumors that there's going to be another Thrive situation in Miami. I hope so. But I'm saying that out loud so that she actually, Sally Sally Rogerson hears this and says, (laughs) We want to go back to Miami. Yeah, a Miami Thrive situation would be great. Speaking of Miami, we are ending, not this weekend, but next weekend in Miami. It is our last stop um, of all of our traveling. Then we have the whole summer off, which is wonderful. And I'm going there a couple days prior to get my beach on because I'm from Florida. So I miss the sunshine so much. I'm so pale, though. I'm scared about... I feel like... I don't like tanning beds, but I feel like I need to do something. No, that's a joke. That's a trick. Okay. That was such, like, a 1990, like, we're going to the beach, so I have to go to the, the Guys, if song. I burn day one, my, everybody that's going to see me on class on Monday, like, I'm going to be, like, rock lobster. It's not going to be a cute I'm not a situation. beach person, so I will be the same color I have as when I arrive. I need my week. toes in the sand, and I need my... <laughs> beer and I need like just enjoyment so I, I need it's gonna be, I can't wait for summer so if anyone's in Miami on the 8th we will be there if you want to DM us everyone DMs us when we're in different places and yeah. sometimes we can't make it so we apologize they're like do you want to do dinner and I'm like I'm on I'm leaving <laughs> we're like in the airport so DM us early if you want us to say hi but I'm really excited to talk to our guest today. Me too. A good friend of mine that I've been talking to for, well, I've been and now Instagram, mine, I'm him. I've been Instagram <laughs> stalking him for a very long time, and now he's here sitting with us. So, Vernon Francois is with us. I'm excited because I get to hear all about how he got into the industry, and I don't know that story yet. So, thanks for coming. Welcome. Oh, hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Bernie Francois. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to uh, be on the podcast. We're excited Thank to Thank you for you. coming. Yeah. You're here for work, but your work schedule got all messed up. Story of my life. Yeah. You're always well, on the We always appreciate plane, you coming so. to spend the next hour with us. So <laughs> No, I'm really excited. I think when I met with David uh, a couple of weeks back and you kind of informed me what you guys were doing, I was really intrigued by it um, and very supportive of the narrative because I think it's something that's been a long time coming. Um, and then you said I should come on the podcast and I was like maybe I should Mm -hmm. and then you said well when you're next time in New York you never hit me up so I hit you up yeah Uh, every time he's in New York he's on his way out it's the same feeling that people have with us yeah when they want to have dinner and we're on our way out he's like Vernon's coming we're we're recording a podcast I was like cool win I had jury duty today so I almost wasn't going to be here but I got out of it I got out of it that's like luck for you that's like winning a lottery they're like do you want to postpone I was like yes absolutely Yes, I do. People See you still in June. do that. That's really like, yeah. Well, they were like, can you spend a week here? And I was like, no. Mm. <laughs> I cannot. I've had people that have had to do that, and it's been really, like, criminal. Mm. It, 
<laughs> it is sometimes. Um, they pay yeah. you forty dollars a day. Yeah, I'm oh, like, yeah, but I sometimes. own my own companies. I'm losing money. Yeah, yeah, and you don't you the select. Tell me if I don't know how it works here, but the selection is quite random. There's a group of you, and then you just wait and hope yeah, to be you picked. turn in your paper that you filled out with all your information on it, and then they throw it in a lottery wheel and just pick you out yeah. basically. And they're like, "Can you stay?" You can't serve a manager, can you? No, because I'm you're so. Freaking lucky. At the moment, whoa, because I'm not a oh. citizen, am I? I'm on, my, I'm on my visa, but it's not, Jealous. I don't think I'm not, I'm not a green card. Yeah. So, speaking of which, speaking of which, where are you from? How did you get started in hair? How'd you get to LA? Tell us all about You're you. Wasting no time, are you? No, I need to know <laughs> need to all the in. information. <laughs> um, well, I'm, well, I'm from the UK, but I was born in North England, um, from a place, a little small town called Huddersfield, which is, um, to give you guys a picture, imagine hills and sheep and cows and yes. lots of greens, and it's in a dam, so it goes down like downhill. And it sounds magical. That's exactly it's, how I picture that's, London. That's <laughs> all, all of London. Well, it's, it's not London, definitely. <laughs> all London of closer to New York, uh, and is they call it yellow brick buildings. So the buildings are made from like yellow bricks. It's like sand. It's like castles. Uh, what? Um, it's quite ancient. Um, that's so cool. And we were one of very few families of color there, so. We stood out, and I'm one of five boys. Three of us are naturally ginger with red heads, and that was always a bit of a controversial situation in England, uh, nevertheless North England. And then I moved to uh, Leeds and Manchester, which are like the capitals of north of the north north of the UK. Um, they're more town-wise, and then. Life just began there, I imagine. From my earliest days, I think, from hair, from doing hair, I was about eight years old. Uh, my both parents are Rastafarian. My mum's from Jamaica, my dad's Grenadian. Um, so I'm mixed Caribbean. And it was traditional. Sunday, Saturday afternoons were about getting your hair done and putting chicken and rice and peas on the stove. <laughs> and that was it. And I just remember always not really enjoying the process of getting my hair done. It was torture for any of you guys out there that have uh, kinky, coily, afro-textured hair. You would know getting your hair done on the weekends is something <laughs> not to look forward to. Um, and my mum would um, section my hair into four. Uh, wash it and then stretch it out in big braids which we call doo-doo plaids in the Caribbean um, and um, the rest went downhill <laughs> my mom, I'll try and tell you the polite version without being graphic um, my mum would section my hair with like a wide tooth comb and it would just be painful every part of the process was torture there was no sort of element of um, is this hurting you? Is this comfortable for no. you? It was you like, don't have a choice. You, you choice? No. What? You're speaking? <laughs> Bam. You know, it was always like, you'd walk out and you'd be crying and you'd have like a facelift. Um, at four. Oh, it, I tell you. <laughs> you look you, too. <laughs> you look at any young person of colour when they were younger with braids and they're smiling, it's not because they want to. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Those younger pictures is because it's all been like tightly pulled back. So that was my experience. And I remember specifically at eight years old saying to my mum I wasn't happy with what she did. Oh no. <gasps> and I'm gonna leave it that at that. <laughs> the comb left their hand. I don't know what it connected with afterwards. But um I was like, okay, I'm gonna go and do this myself. And she was like, yeah, you think you're mine, go and do it yourself. You think you're better than everyone else. I was like, yeah I'm eight years old, I can take the world over whatever. <laughs> so I went on this journey to trying to figure out how I could braid hair and how I could make, more importantly, the experience less painful because I knew the technique um, 
I could learn the technique, but if I could master the, the neatness of it and make it um, less painful, then I've done a good job. Uh, so, good. yes, um, the brace she did was really bad, <laughs> really horrendous. <laughs> and, um, and then she went, bang, go and do it. So I did. So I started teaching myself how to lock and twist and braid. I was born into a Rastafarian faith, so locks and twisting and extensions and braids was everything I was exposed to as a child. So trying to figure out how to manipulate that was secondary to me. So I used to, um, the tassels on the rug carpets, the fringes, <gasps> mm-hmm. I used to start twisting and locking those. That's, that's how I started idea. how to, that's, that's how I started cool. to braid. Um, so I was like, well, if you can do a single braid, then I must be able to do a cornrow by not lifting my hand up, but moving in a different direction. And that's how I started to twist and lock. Um, I then upgraded on the, the tassels. Um, I don't know what you guys call them here, but you know when you have the curtains and you close them up and you use that... Uh, the, the the rope yeah. and it has the tassels yeah. hanging off oh, the okay. end of it yeah. and they're what, really fine like yeah, silky they're kind fabulous of, yeah. it's like loads of little knots uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, would just, I guess it's just a tassel yeah, yeah. it's, it's still a tassel. tassel it's still yeah. a tassel I used to then unravel all of them and then braid them back brush them out come as if it was real hair um, <laughs> and then my mum used to beat the shit out of me <laughs> and, then, and then I really upgraded onto the mop the mop heads that had the cotton strings mm-hmm. on them I unraveled those and we'd spend hours and hours in the kitchen braiding them back twisting them back together I personally think it mopped the floor better but it's personal <laughs> um, hilarious and um, the rest is kind of history um, I just really anything I could get my hands on that had strings uh, pieces of threading of clothing mm-hmm. I was from a very uh, low income background so we, we had very you very have American little. heads to play on right? American yeah. heads I'm going to get there where yeah. I got American head from but it wasn't one purchase from the salon um, <laughs> but, um, we, um, we really really had nothing but what it really pushed me to do is just to find something that I could interlock with that's all my brain was thinking about where can I find a few pieces of strings that I can intertwine to get the braiding effect and that's all my focus was when I was younger and then um, I was I don't know how I don't know how this happened but um, cut a long story very short I don't advise anyone to do this but uh, I went to I think it was like Toys Toy uh, Toys R Us I think it would have been and all these dolls R. that R. were Oh, you guys got R.I.P. here. No, Toys R Us is dead now. Oh, it is, isn't it? Gone. Yeah. <laughs> Probably because I stole a lot of the doll heads from there. <laughs> oh, you stole them? <laughs> like so... the Barbie heads? <laughs> so, um, I have mentioned this before. They went out of business. <laughs> well, you know, I had very little, and what I needed was the head. I didn't need the body, so I just tucked the head off the doll's head and just went home with the doll's head. Brilliant. And, and hid it underneath my bed and um, that doll's head became my best friend all through school no one knew I had it I would run home from school and I would play with this blonde Barbie doll head with big blue eyes and her name was Shaniqua because <laughs> <laughs> that's all I was exposed to like, I'm a young black boy and all the girls that I know and all my sisters were Shamsharmane, Shaniqua, Shemi, Aisha so it's really interesting when you put when you take something that's not culturally referenced to you but still call it yeah. Yeah. even though it looks nothing like where you're from but it's it's a girl yeah. with hair so I'm going to call it. and her those are the girl Naomi names you know Shaniqua. yeah exactly. um, so <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with those names by the way um, but me and Shaniqua had a lot of fun times we did a lot of hairstyles I really learned a lot about positioning do you and still have her? no I don't uh, I actually even don't know where she is anymore you'll find her later I know well she's got no hair like <laughs> it really evolved her name really is new yeah <laughs> 
beer with Davies was not mine. Um, but um, what? Well, because the the doll head hadn't come out at that time. You know, you pull it and it keeps growing. Yeah. They weren't invented. Then. Yeah. This was over twenty odd years ago. Um, but what what did what I now know now that what I didn't realize I was doing at the time was mastering my technique on European hair. Mm-hmm. So whilst I was still learning the craft of manipulating and texturing braiding. I just put wax or put beeswax or what my mum was using to lock and then to lock her hair on this European barber hair and still doing the braids and cornrows and stuff like that and just figuring it out. Yeah. And as a child, one of the great things that we have the opportunity to do is to delve into that unknown and we, we, we don't suffer from fear of unknown. We explore that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think... Because, 100%. And because I'm self-taught, I now lead with that because I have no option not... I have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, my greatest l- loss is not exploring, you know. So I lead with that with everything I do. And then the rest is history. <laughs> I kind of grew up a little bit. Shanika got buried somewhere. I um, <laughs> was like, I mean, well I kept on cutting her hair, giving bobs and like putting, oh my God, I just, this is so fun. I never really speak about her a lot. <laughs> but I, so, do you know when you start speaking, things come in, I used yeah. to give her highlights. Oh. Guess how I did highlights? You Sunny. know, with the highlighter with, pen? Oh. oh my God. The pink one and the neon yellow. She literally, oh you God. were starting the unicorn trend without even knowing. Oh, I can't a... believe I even remember. Yeah, I used to like, just, I just have fun. <laughs> and then like wash it out with like soap afterwards yeah. and just like nod her hair up. Um, but we used to have lots of fun. I used to do all the gel and finger waves on her, on her face. Um, wow. Yo, there were some moments. I'm taking myself. Yeah, I have time travel. Yeah, I did. I just did. I don't speak about it because I mean, who wants to know about that? um, So she was. Our people. Yeah, they're all laughing. Get yourself a doll head. Pull the hell out of it. They won't respond back to you. Um, So yeah, that was a really good experience as a young um, aspiring hairdresser. You know, not I didn't know that at the time. I was just really curious. Um, so I really taught myself how to figure out braiding technology, uh, hair up and stuff. And then um, I moved down to London. Um, me and my four brothers moved down uh, for social reasons. Um, we got separated from my father. Um, and then in London, my mum, because my mum likes to talk a lot, um, she got stopped on the street by someone that was trying to give her hair a makeover. Um, voucher and my mum was like well I'll take this if you take, give my son a Saturday job at the salon oh, wow. uh, and the rest was history and oh, I, cool. I, yeah at the age of 14 I became a Saturday boy at one of the top salons uh, in London which was called Burlington's it was in the centre right opposite the London College of Fashion and St John Pincer Street you have to do an apprentice over there um, yeah, I think you you do, but my career has been so unique to my experience, and it's not been the general status quo for what most mm-hmm. people believe they have to to be a, what they call quote unquote success. Yeah, um, I didn't do any of that. Um, I was there as a Saturday boy. Um, I would still go to school and then work Saturday and Sundays. And downstairs was a makeover company. So being the burning that I am I was really involved in everything and anything you can imagine <laughs> every conversation every styling blow drying anyone putting makeup on I was really intrigued I was very curious and I was always asking the why that was always something I was always like why why how and blah 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 so I was really immersing myself into that culture and then when I left school they offered me apprenticeship wow. um, but I actually got offered uh, two more of the apprenticeships one was from um, one was from um, HSBC and one was from uh, Vidal Sassoon. 
and I turned them both down, which was quite interesting because I what I learned, what I knew at the at the time when I was younger is that I didn't want to be a hairdresser that was mimicking someone else's identity. I knew that that's not what I wanted to do. I also at the time actually. I went one step earlier. I won my first award, and that's when HSBC tried to offer me a salon and train me, which I said no to. But that was when I was 17. Um, and I said no to them because I didn't want to... I just wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in the business to try and be something. I had you no aspiration. You weren't trying to be a Fidel Sassoon. No. Well, I respect what what he's done. He's an icon and will forever be a legend. Um, and what he's been able to capitalise on his, his identity and why hair moves and falls in those directions. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it also has no um, history on the world I'm from. Mm-hmm. Working with Caribbean hair, working with Afro kinky hair, that technique speaks nothing to what I'm exposed to. So I had no understanding of why I needed to be in that space or be that mm-hmm. at the time. Um, but obviously as you get older, looking at techniques and positioning, I think everything can play a role in your um, your, your, your product, but mm-hmm. you just got to learn them when when to apply it, you know. So where did you end up going? I just stayed at Burlington's. Oh. They offered, yeah, yeah, I stayed there. Because they offered. I, yeah, stayed there, and I, I really they they put me into City and Girls, which is like an apprenticeship where you have to do MVQ level one, two, and three. Uh, three is optional, which is becomes your business studies uh, if you wish to own a salon. Um, I did one and two, and then by the time I came to three, uh, like was a year, year, almost two years later, I was 17, 16. I had won my first award at the age of 16, and then I was traveling with celebrities. And, uh, at 16? Yeah. At, uh, from, from, so when I won my first award, so working as an apprenticeship, left school, went into the salon full-time, and then I applied for this competition, and then I won it um, as Newcomer of the Year for Afrohead and Beauty, and that really propelled me into the limelight. Because uh, everyone, I think, when you go to competitions, everyone wants to know who's the new person mm-hmm. and who's the overall winner. It's like single of the year and album of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was a single of the year. And then um, I just kind of um, started working with a lot of people that were well-known. I had moved salons at that point, um, because I was working with Desmond Murray, who was a world-renowned um, celebrity hairstylist. Um, but I want to backtrack a little bit, because I heard you guys speak earlier, which was a really good thing to talk about, because we don't talk about in salons. <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm, if I had it my way, I would stay in a salon all my life. Like, <laughs> it's my home, it's a place that is very familiar and I'm very comfortable with. Um, I know the protocol very well. Um, but I also recognise my calling is bigger than the salon, so I had to eventually find my way out of there, which was really heart-wrenching for me. Um, and I tried really hard not to go back too often because I can easily get too familiar and not leave ever again. But what I learned, one of the biggest lessons I learned when I was 17, there was a huge miscommunication when I was in apprenticeship, and I learned the value of being honest about things in the salon as an assistant versus trying to lie, um, which got me further in my career then than I had I not told the truth uh, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today um, can you tell us what yeah well it was it was something random it was so something something went missing in the cupboard and I completely misplaced it and gave it to someone else and didn't realise it wasn't theirs but it was it was a misunderstanding mm-hmm. and my my misjudgement of character for these people got me in trouble mm-hmm. and then I tried to cover up their tracks by protecting them but not protecting myself and then realised I had to just come open with everything and yeah. just kind of put myself this in is what shit. Happened. Correct. Yeah. 
And then what I'd learned from that is that actually people trust me more because they could identify that I could identify where my misbelievances were. And I think when you work in a space, especially where in, in a unit like a hair salon, it's built on trust. Yeah. And if you can't trust your peers, who can you trust? So I think for me, it was a very valuable lesson that I learned very quickly is to be very honest. We um, teach to that a lot like yeah. with as a stylist to be open to say like to a client yeah. that I don't. I don't feel comfortable doing right. that. Like, yeah. rather than just trying to do something and then yeah. mess it up and, you know, all of these things, like being yeah. able to be very honest. Yeah, and even with owning a business, being transparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. With but it staff. wasn't a thing before. No, everything was like, new. keep it a secret. Yeah. No one gets to know. I think that's just life in general. And I, like I said, I, 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 I reap the benefits of my transparency. Although I was shitting myself. And I thought, <laughs> what am I doing? But I also, I didn't have the ability to lie well. It just didn't sit in my DNA. Uh, and then I would walk around with that conscious that I wasn't telling the truth and what if they found out afterwards and then yeah. so I just kind of bleed it into yeah it's just, it's just, Chaos. <laughs> just let it leave the body <laughs> walk in dignity and pride you're so much you know when you walk in so much clarity no one can tell you anything yeah and you everyone then wants to be attracted to you because you have you use this energy of being confident about who you are clarity so, is freedom for yes, sure yeah. 100% so that happened and then I moved on to Desmond Murray um, and then he helped me win my first award which I offered ever be grateful for and then I started working with the likes of like Dame Kelly Holmes which is like our Olympic gold medalist um, she won double Olympic a uh, double gold and I was like braiding her hair for like the morning television show oh and my cool. god I was like I still I was laughing about it the other day actually because I was like oh they're going to get you a car from the salon to drive down to where I was like you're going to get me a car to drive down and then you get paid XYZ oh my god I get paid this much money and I was just like whoa and I often still think about those moments which yeah. were many 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 years ago but they still surprised me from something that I got into out of frustration passion the idea of making this a more of a pleasant experience is now leading me in these in these places where people are paying me yeah. to even get to the place where I, yeah. I like to be you know uh, so I started doing that and then the rest is history all the people that used to do with people like um Kerry Washington, or um, although I didn't get to work with Mary J. Blige, but um, or Keisha Cole and Kanye West, when a lot of American artists would come over to Europe, I would be the go-to guy that they would see, and people would recommend me over there. I think a lot of our listeners have a fantasy of working with celebrities, and some of them will probably have the opportunity to do so. But you started really young. Yeah, well, I think because because I the award I think really helped and my alliance with Desmond Murray um, and then the fact that I now can own this and I probably never publicly said it but I was really good at what I did. Yeah. Um, and I think because I taught the craft myself and then learn. Um, I heard you speak about it on another podcast. Hey, you know, no one knows I'm talking to you. So <laughs> <it's> <laughs> it's like, just point here. You guys can't see that I'm what we're doing. Unfortunately, we are clothed as well. <laughs> just in case anyone was wondering. Nude podcast. <laughs> oh my god, you should totally do that. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't even know what I say on other podcasts. I feel like I black out. No, that's fine. You you were talking. Um, um, oh, I forgot what I was saying. Now I got so involved in that nude podcast, <laughs> my mind sidetracked. I had visions of everything. Um, anyway, let's retract again. My brain has really gone into that nude podcast. Um, but you said you were good at what you did. And... Um, oh yes, mentors. And um, so I had two or three people I stuck to yeah. in the salon. Uh, women that I thought were really, really like the dog's bollocks of doing blow dries. Uh, colouring, sectioning, 
Um, and I was just obsessed with them. And I think one thing that I can say to anyone that wants to um, be the best at what they do is to be unapologetic about wanting to learn and really attach yourself to those people who you like yeah. um, and ask them questions. People like to speak about themselves. So mm-hmm. if you're going to um, want to learn, let someone know that you think that they're the God's gift and they will give you everything they, they have. They will teach you. Yeah, they will teach you everything. Also do it respectively, but these women, I remember Susan, um, no one liked her. She was quite an aggressive woman. Um, for all the right reasons, we had a very love-hate relationship and she taught me some foundations about blow-drying that I often get asked to share today. But um, it's, just, it's just more about finding those people that you like. Yeah. And, and also, if you don't like someone personally, don't allow that to... Um, mass your ability to learn from them because I think you can take something from everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also, you will be working amongst some people's work that you don't like. Learn and study why you don't like it because then it will help you be better at what you like need to put do. Put ego aside and look at the fine line of what 100%. you're trying to look at. It's, I, you know, one of the things I've learned as I've gotten older and started to run my own business and got married to someone who's very successful is how to um, separate facts and emotion in every process. And when you can be very factual about things, you can actually get along a lot quicker with those who you dislike most mm-hmm. because you're just dealing in fact and you can cut the emotion out. that. Oh, <laughs> we're an emotional basis. <laughs> we're artists. We would be in a Yo, I used to strap up and down the run. Like, I used to think the salon was a runaway and I'd be so, I'd be an emotional wreck and I'd be like, why are you doing that? Assistants are doing this and then I could, I used to have eyes. You were the salon. diva hairstylist. I wouldn't say diva and there's nothing wrong with being a diva by the way. The definition <laughs> of a diva is something I always tell people to research because it's actually a good thing. But I, for me, I, I think most people used to find me quite exhausting to work around because the standard of what I believe should always be consistent through the salon was never met yeah so i was always being the one like don't sit my client on the chair if the chair was still had hair in it did you wipe the chair even if you didn't see the hair because there might be hair still in there <laughs> but the client needs to see that you cleaned the chair so they understand that you know their value sitting mm-hmm. there the mirrors needed to be clean the teas and cups need to just little things that but you were really like you were like that because you did it yeah are you yeah, kidding me i still yeah. do it now yeah. yeah but i mean like you that's how you we're trained. I just, I, it's hard. I, I, I don't know. A lot know. of people miss that. It's the, look, I There's personally believe we work in hospitality and it's a service that where we give and that should never change no matter where you're doing hair. Mm-hmm. I could be doing it on the street, which I have done before and I will sweep that pavement until it's shiny and make sure, <laughs> make, make that person feel really like they're sitting on the front when they're getting right. their hair done. Earlier so, you said that you offer value to another human being in a sacred space and I really like that. Yes. Um, really strong because we do. Yeah, we, we do. I mean, I often get asked, which I know a question you were going to ask me earlier or later, if it is like the clients that I work with and, and what and who I work with. Uh, and, it's cool and you'll want to know. <laughs> <laughs> it is very cool um, and I often, and people, you know, we get asked to do um, when we when we do a lot of events like the Oscars or the award <clears throat> or the awards or the Met Gala, people are always wanting to get BTSs, mm-hmm. um, and I'm always quite reluctant to delve into too much of a BTS because how much do you really want to know? Yeah. You know, do you really want to see as well? That's the difference between aspirational. Aspirational it's done, exactly. or do you want to see the after? We're aspirational all happy? is exactly. how great it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Inspirational is like it's the struggle to get not there. <laughs> exactly, but also I, um, like I said, I always operate. I think you know the amount of hairdressers that I know and myself, like we could write books on people's lives and humans' experiences. I know, just call it anonymous hairstylist. I I think someone's already done something similar. I've been wanting to do one. The amount of information that I retain a day from people 
um, you, I think you learn to keep that there. Yeah. And, it's a lot of energy. It is, and it's a lot of soul taxing as well. Um, so the last thing I want to do is expose that person. Um, and I think one of the most vulnerable things we can do as humans is get our hair wet and expose our identity in front of somebody else and give them the permission to make us feel great. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's something and we... touch you. A hundred percent. That's something we suffer from just... just just as humans, is this idea of wanting to be validated more than what we don't believe we already are mm-hmm. is something that we suffer from. So I think getting our hair done um, paints or depicts this idea that we are feeling we're giving ourselves some worth. Yeah. Uh, so to be able to put that out there for somebody else is to have clickbait value to it, I just have a really... Yeah. It doesn't sit well with me. Exactly. And I'm also not interested in that conversation. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. Um, especially if I'm not controlling the narrative because I don't think... as if, if your intentions are completely different, you're going to make that story as you yeah. want it to be. Yeah, I'm always scared to post that kind of stuff and then get in trouble. I remember you worked with Anna Wintour one time mm-hmm. and you got in trouble for... Breathing. <laughs> you got in trouble for... I hit under a, a table. There there was, not a joke. I there, hit under a table. There was a picture of like half of her head and they like called you and they were mm-hmm. like, you need to remove that. You couldn't even tell it was her. Yeah. It I didn't was, even realize she was in it. But wow. it's an interest... Like, but it is... that. Like, it's, it's a little bit ridiculous. It's not like I like tagged her, sense. hashtag, look in the corner. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't even think I was using Instagram at that time. Like, that was the scariest day of my life. But it's true. I think a lot of people like to see that. But if you curate, just simply curate it. And you do that really well in your Instagram. You I think do there's show. a difference between showing you with a celebrity versus showing the art that you created exactly. with a person. You know? Exactly. I agree. I just think there's a, it's, it's a personal thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I have issues with sharing things about myself on, on social media. It's funny media. when you say it because you share so much. <laughs> well, I tell people... You believe. You, you, that I means mean, I'm like, doing such a good job. Thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it seems like I share way less yeah. and because I just think my life is boring. See, I think I, you share way more, way more than I do. Ooh, really? Share you're sharing off. All, we gotta share off. You're sharing all your exercise stuff um, with your dogs and um, when you're oh. moving, when you're traveling, yeah. how much you're going through with your weight loss, why you're doing it, what anyone's feeling about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're on Instagram a lot. Yeah, I you realize it. I've I never... Like but we also teach Instagram, so I think there's a aspect of, especially for Dave and I, like we are preaching, teaching, walking the walk. What am I trying to say? I don't know. Walk I don't walk. know. Get it Talk out. Go on. Walk. Go on. Keep going. We're, I try to practice what I preach. There okay. it is. Okay. <laughs> um, because there is a sense of showing little aspects of your life and I tell my students all the time, they're like, well, how much do I need to show or I don't want to show that or I'm not comfortable. I'm like, it's your business. It's your Instagram. It's mm. your life. Do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Like, it, you don't have to copy what other people are doing and that's not that's not going to make you successful. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's up to you. The, 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 yeah, I think you're right. But I do, from my, I'm, I can only ever speak from my experiences, I, I was of that mindset when I first got into social media. And my, my issue for being quite reluctant in the beginning with social media is because I'm heavily dyslexic. So I was always shitting myself about my grammar and yeah. how I would articulate myself. And before Instagram came out, it was Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. And I couldn't even string a sentence together verbally, never alone, write it down, and then I only have 24 characters to write what I'm <laughs> saying. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is, like, you're giving me anxiety even thinking about it. So I was just like, I can't do yeah. that. Um, and then Facebook came out, which was more like talking, like, I don't really like talking to a lot of people that I don't know. So then trying to have a conversation with people and write and then share pictures, and then, oh, that was just way too much. Yeah. And then Instagram came out, which was like, 
like now we gotta up. caption it and, well no but for me it was like <laughs> it changed it changed my life because it was all visual yeah. yeah so it was like ah oh, thank god i can just share an image yeah that can speak a thousand words and you guys can make your mind up about it and as an artist as a visionary that's something that i'd sit in every day so uh instagram became the space where i was really trying to explore and curate and give my voice into the universe and then as you know if you go right back to my first instagram which i don't advise you do but <laughs> um i would like to think it's been quite consistent with the story that i've been telling of myself um but one of that really highlights that your hair um, if you learn to love your hair, you can have a great relationship with it, which we don't often teach or learn and is not often shown uh, in the majority of the media spectrums that we look at. So for me, my Instagram is definitely trying to create a space for a wider conversation about the understanding the emotional delusions that we go through with our hair, but also understanding that your hair is good enough the way that it already is. You're very hair positive. I love yes, that. Um, because we're not, most often we're not. Like yeah. you look at all the major brands out there, you look at all the products, you look at all the tutorials. You see, it's always I believe it's always coming from a narrative as if if you can't, then we can show you. Uh, you can't do that. You can get it this way. This is not good. This is what mm-hmm. looks good. There's nothing that you've really Putting seen. In a box. For sure, that that is that is a big thing. But people are buying from insecurity versus um, aspiration. Yeah, and there's a big difference. It's in also that. a little more catered to white people I would say. Yeah the Caucasian and European market has definitely eclipsed the idea that that's how most people should portray their identity where their hair is concerned Um, but then you know it's also that idea is also flooded the gates in in, in Africa where where there's still a huge melting pot of culture but the majority of of that community is is men and women with curly thick hair Mm -hmm. but you still see the billboards uh, for the slicker shinier uh, smoother hair what they've been exposed to from 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 a media perspective would would say what they have is less than now that's not a bad thing but what what becomes an issue is that when that's all that's there and then what I've learned is that most people don't have the ability to see beyond what they've been exposed to. Mm-hmm. So then you end up becoming a byproduct of your environment. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And then that's where most companies profit from. Yeah. And that's where I have the issue. So for like 20 odd years being in a salon, most people that would sit in my chair would sit in my chair and, well, when they come to see me, they'll be really excited and they'll be more <laughs> like skipping in and like, woo! Um, but most often they're sitting in my chair and for the first time that they would come and see me, they would sit in my chair at a place of really deep level of insecurity and very like disgusted it gave me goosebumps like a shame yeah I used to I used to emotionally get upset Mm -hmm. I used to be emotionally physically drained every time I'd leave the salon because I would be actually coaching them I wouldn't even do the hair some of the times. It'd be more about just talking How to, to them. Yeah, but more just saying you are beautiful the way you are. Look at your hair when it's wet, da 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 da. And, it, and then you still go, whoa, why am I doing this? What's happening beyond the salon door? And well, you I, solved the problem with your own product line. Yeah, um, I. Nice segue, by the way. You should do this, you know. I am, yeah, I was looking, I, I started to ask the questions. I was like, if I'm making you feel great and you're leaving the salon with this product and it seems to work when I'm using it on you, you come in and go, oh, you come back to me two weeks later and go, it didn't work, it was shit. What, I was trying to find out what was a disconnect. Um, one of the things that I came up on was product application, which I often don't hear being spoken to mm-hmm. on the professional it's and like, non-professional like, here's this, have fun. Yes, exactly. And most people don't know why they have the functions on the top of the head, like the different functions of spray versus the product that shoots and product that pumps into your hand, what that means. And people are just quite heavy-handed. And what I've saw and been a part of, although I never really 
um, participated and the salon owners really hated me for it was selling products to client f- to make uh, numbers up mm-hmm. I was never interested in that conversation yeah, neither I, are we. Mm-hmm. I never <laughs> believed I just didn't understand I just don't understand giving someone something there to like, enhance the hair while I'm not around <laughs> but I still never understood giving someone something that they're not going to use just, yeah. just didn't make sense in my head because it's wrong. I well, just for me to make five dollars <laughs> or five pounds commission. All that under the sink. Yeah, they have. I, I, so I used to do a training. We can go into. I put it out now, and then we can go into it later. I used to run a training academy in London, and I tell you what I did with that. Um, but it, it, it just to gives to tell someone they need something when I fundamentally know it wasn't going to offer them any justice was I felt like I was doing a disservice, and I just consciously couldn't do that. And I think I've built a really loyal clientele because of that. Well, you said you can't lie. So I, that wasn't just, helpful. Not, I, I, yeah, I just don't do it well. I, it just, it's just not... I have no... I have, it just... I have no service I in don't, And I honestly... Like, there is no hairdresser out there that really can sell something to someone they don't believe in. Yeah. The only time we sell something is we, because we love it. And uh, I've seen people sell. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen people sell like they couldn't sell any tomorrow. Absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've They learned, just have a natural sales... Yeah, but I, you know, but you also have those clients that come in that want to spend and feel like they're doing something great with their styles because they've got nothing else to spend on. Yeah. So I just, you know, I used to watch that operation mm-hmm. quite frequently and just be so disgusted by it. But also know it's not my client, yeah. it's not my space, and try and not be offended by it because uh, I was just offended by it all yeah. the time. But one um, of the things that I, <clears throat> that I, when we were when we met, however many weeks ago, one of the things you mentioned about what you noticed about curly hair was that every product was meant to suppress it, in, um, a, in a sense, <clears throat> and to control it, as opposed to actually working with it. Yeah, so when I when I started on my request to devise a product line, I was starting to kind of look at the language that was sort of marketed around the, the managing the curl expectation, or the kink expectation, and you would often see um, defrizz, or minimalize, or... Um, uh, humid negative words yeah, like words that have negative quanti- quanti- ne- negative connotations that would suggest what you have isn't good enough um, and then I started to realise that was when my clients would always come in and try to aspire to have these uh, images that they would see in these magazines and I was like first of all it's retouched mm-hmm. so I was, that's not even oh, a hair colour <laughs> yo the amount of times I had to break down these pictures that people were looking at and mm-hmm. then for them to shut the magazine and go so what can you do for me I was mm-hmm. like well that's the question you should have asked me first right. and then really try to re-educate them in actually how to um, how to actually ask for themselves versus asking via someone else's image and that was also being a big moment for the client sitting in the chair um, but yeah, learning, I, I saw a lot of products and, and even and even still when we first launched, we had to, by law, there's a lot of language and restrictions that you can't use on, on, on products depending on the regions where you launch. Um, so we, oh, wow. it, became, it became quite a very um, <laughs> exhausting uh, process for me, but we managed to get some language that I was very happy with, some that I would still rather change uh, and we're still doing that today. But there's, there's most language that you read on packaging that would suggest what you have is not good enough. And the, the language that we've chosen to put in our packaging uh, is factual um, and just does the job. And trying to find... But when, I, when I was searching for a formulator to work with, one of the main things I kept saying to them is like, look, I'm not trying to find a new technology. Uh, I'm not trying to find a new ingredient that doesn't work. We all know that like avocado, castor oil, coconut... Jehovah, we all know that these ingredients are great. What I want to do is mix that with modern technology and the idea 
um, that you can do this yourself better than a stylist can do. And that's what I wanted to do from Love a product that. perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's mixing modern technology with traditional ingredients. Like these these rooted plant oils are never going to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to run away from and that. And we don't need a new one. Mm-hmm. Correct. We don't need another we, one. We never needed a new yeah. one. But what, 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 what's happened for consumer purposes, they've just been mixed with a lot of BS to try and make up for numbers. And then um, silicone's got a really bad name for itself because I think there's also we should do a podcast on ingredients as well because <laughs> I think this is You'll idea that <laughs> thank Let's you this is episode <laughs> one <laughs> and we are still fully clothed um, no, um, <laughs> we, um, it is yeah, yeah, yeah it is I was like trying to strip but I didn't know if they could see me stripping um, but you're actually um, live right um, now I knew it um, but um, yeah the, um, there's a lot of people that don't really understand actually some silicones are really beneficial to the hair and actually can help drive the performance of the ingredient better into the follicles of the hair and it can help also base the hair in a way prepare the hair for the ingredients to sit in it properly but as with anything there's always good and bad mm-hmm. and I think the the the, neg- the bad silicones got quite uh, overexposed and then people just kind of whitelisted them off uh, the same thing with alcohol um, and most uh, most products that spray especially beauty products are based on alcohol mm-hmm. because you're not going to get the spray pattern that you need for it to sit on the hair surface so that was one of the technologies I tried to sort of uh, come around with when I invented the, uh, the spray conditioner uh, mm-hmm. we're the only company still in the world to make a conditioner that sprays out it's a wash out, wash out conditioner I was told for almost three years it was impossible to make because the idea that conditioner can shoot up a tube and dispose out into a pyramid is impossible because it hasn't been done. Yeah. Um, and that's what people get insane to me. So we're telling me it's impossible. That drove you crazy. You were like, I'm going to make it. <laughs> that's yeah. why he loved it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I, so I go back to the salon. Everything that I've got, all the frustrations that I experienced um, as a young hairdresser in a salon is how I think I've become successful outside of the salon because I was constantly up against clients for, uh, having um, been angry and being very frustrated and speaking to it. So I was like, well, who's going to solve that for you? What are you going to do about it? Maybe I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I went on those requests and tried to figure it out. And I'd often see when you lay someone in a basin and their hair would sit back in the sink, the first thing people would do um, is either with someone with big hair or really thick, tight or dense uh, hair texture, even if the hair was straight, is put water on it. And now anyone knows if you put water on hair, it expands. Mm-hmm. So if the hair's already knotted when... It, it's dry and then you put water on it you're just going to just infuse that, in, mm-hmm. that that intention in there so let's not do that um, and let's figure out how you can use your hands which you have and fingers to detangle and then spray a product that would likely disperse itself on, on, on the base of the hair and, deta- and deposit through without using too much product because there's also that fine line of putting way too much conditioner on there to try and get to where you want to get to but then the hair is so heavily coated it then doesn't do anything you want to do when you come to styling it so I thought, why, why don't you spray it on? It'll be lighter, you use less product, and you can get a fiber mm. distribution. You and you were right. Well, <laughs> thank you. Um, but we're still trying to get that idea, that methodology around to people. People still haven't comprehended it yet because it's something that's not normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't really think like that. And so we did it. It's successful. And what we've learned from people that have had those experience um, is that what I, want, what I wanted to do subconsciously is change the relationship. So now that you have to spray your hair... You think now when you go into the shower, you think about where you're spraying it, and you're more conscious about why you're spraying it. So therefore, you're having a better just wasting correct and versus pumping in your hand. Sorry, that wasn't anything but my hands clapping. We are still clapped. (laughs) 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 Be back. Um, So 
so yeah, you just spray, spray, spraying it onto the hair, um, and then watching it detangle and emulsify with your fingers has been such an, an emotional experience for those people that have used it because people are used to just pumping loads of product into the hair, whacking it on and hoping for the best and finger combing it. Now you use less product and you interact with the hair better, so you have a better relationship. You're just thinking more about your hair. You're yeah. caring for your hair. So subconsciously, you're enjoying your uh, the process of washing your hair better. Yeah. And that's where There's I wanted to go. It's like a deep level of consciousness that yeah. most people take for granted and it's what I'm trying to see back into people. Yeah. It's a longer journey. Just being, <laughs> People are so robotically use products so to have like waking up and using consciousness behind the tool they're using for themselves for better self-care to love their hair themselves again is just and the other thing thing is you've created a system it's based on what people need it's not based on like you don't need everything in your line no I know so it's funny when you asked me how many products I had I think in my first collection it was like 19 like 19 (laughs) people don't need that I agree with you but but what I did was because I also what I didn't do in my first collection and I still don't have one is do a hairspray or a styling collection I purposely launched with wet products first because for me the, the base of your hair routine or your hair lifestyle is washing the fundamental foundation is how you set your base up and that starts from how you manage that scalp mm-hmm. um, and uh, the shampoos and the conditioners you apply onto it so I really I broke down the categories because I think most people don't know where they sit either and with my dyslexia I try to simplify the ideas of what the textures look like so people can have like wavy kinky curly and straight and then I got a brand I got a a, a label for damaged hair because everyone's hair is damaged because everyone's hair is exposed to humidity, damage, mm-hmm. pollution, blah blah blah. And then Life. within exactly, and then within within those categories, I, I created a shampoo, conditioner, and a moisture spray for each one of those hair textures, and that's why I do is. And that's 19, why there's so many because for your hair well you guys' hair texture is different to my hair texture, mm-hmm. so your hair will be able to hold, um, for example. Your over oil better than my hair, but my hair, my hair texture, which is kinky coily, will need to have more keratin because it lacks the ability to retain that. So to be specific to each texture, I think is crucially important when you're trying to help shift the narrative that your hair is good the way it is. Uh, and one of the things I didn't realize was a big thing is on the back of the packaging of my products, you will see the shampooing ingredients is completely different for each product. Uh, but if you look at most of the brands that are out there, even though they have collections and ranges and they speak to all hair textures, their <laughs> instructions will be similar. And right. I'm like, how can I tell me, I can I tell my mom to wash my hair different to your parents? Yeah. You would have different ways of washing your hair yeah. because your right. hair needs are different. Yeah. Right. But no one has that. So there were little things like that that I learned as I was doing it, how important it was to be specific to each texture because each texture has a different need. But we often don't speak that way. Ever. No. It's quite scary. Yeah. You use... you Most of the people that you work with, celebrity-wise, live in their natural textured hair. Do you find that people seek you out because your product or because of your reputation of working with natural hair? It seems like that's all of your clients have beautiful, natural hair yeah. that you... That being fucking it. typecast is what you're saying, basically. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes and yes, it's exactly. really annoying. It's really annoying. Um... Because I'm a hairdresser. I, I remember when I was younger, and some of my older clients will tell you, um, uh, Vernon used to, I used to like be on the streets, I'd open the salon door, and anyone that would walk past the salon door, I'd be like, oh, come and get your hair done today, your hair's beautiful, come and get your hair, you need to get your hair, come and sit down. And this would be with anyone, and that's yeah, how I got most of my cool. clients. Uh, and these would be men and women of all ethnicities, of all life experiences, and I would do anyone's hair. I 
fully believe if you're going to be a true artist in the hair world, you should be able to do any hair texture. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't be confined to specialising in one. If that's a choice you make as you pursue the career of hairdressing, that's a personal choice. But I think you're Did you make that choice? To do... To do more natural hair. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. I've always been doing all hair. To, this is. This right. is my point I'm making. I've never been specific to one. Yeah. Right. I've always done everyone's hair and anyone's hair. I've always said to myself, if someone walks through that door, I have to and need to be able to cater to them. That yeah. was it. That's how I've always thought. That's how I continue to think. What has happened is because I've, um, uh, my my popularity is gained by the women that I that I work with who have natural hair. People, humans just have the ability to be quite narrow-minded in their vision uh, and then pigeonhole you for that. And that's just how we have developed as humans, which is quite sad. And that's a whole different conversation. And I've become typecast. Um, <laughs> for work for, you seem very upset about that. I am, because it really it, it, it limits my, my, my opportunities in, in the field that I operate in. Right. And I'm working, I'm working quite specifically with my agent to try and demonstrate that I can do European hair as well as I do Afro-kinky hair. And, and some people just don't seem to understand that and I'm like hair is hair yeah why are we making an issue about it which then goes back to why I'm doing the products why I'm trying to shift the narrative around the conversations and the language we use um although if you have a European hairstylist working on afro kinky hair no one ever questions that person if they can do afro curly hair Mm -hmm. they get the opportunity to do it so it's almost indirect racism back onto the community without people realizing what and why they're doing it and also using the word black hair, which doesn't exist. Black is a colour. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Afro-kinky hair textures. Yeah. So there's a lot of misunderstanding about the, the words that we use um, and, and how we want to continue to spread um, the story about hair. Yeah. And, and how we as hairdressers, how, who's been accountable for changing and shifting that narrative? And I don't think most people are stepping up we to it. We don't stay. No, and that's also okay. I've realised that I care too much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I realised that, you know, for my daughter and my children's children that come up and the young people that I see, I want them to walk in a world where they don't they feel fearless about asking questions and want to take on anything that they feel that they want to do without feeling that they're not supposed to do it yeah. because they haven't been spoken to it. And subconsciously that weighs on your mind. Yeah. I'm a hairdresser. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's still embarrassing that I mean it it, it happens now. And and that's why I haven't a lot of people asking me to do classes. Um, I just find it so remarkably upsetting that you still have to, if you go to college to train as a hairstylist, learning about Afro kinky hair or curly hair is an added thing to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn a, about it at all. It's yeah. deemed as a special. Like, mm-hmm. No, 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 no. If you walk outside, <laughs> hair. hair is hair. But I can guarantee you, if you walk outside you're going to see more people with all different hair textures than the one you're trying to teach people yeah. what right. to do. I also think it goes based on society. Like, people... I know when we were teaching with a big company, every school we went to was different hair. If we were in Texas, it was a certain hair type. If it was Miami, if it was... You know, and I think they need we need to get better as an industry to include it all and learn it all. What, what, how, how did we get so far? How, how did, this, how did we get so wrong about brands it? Brands would say, this is our market, so that's what we need to learn. But what is your market when your exactly. market that you're servicing is exactly. actually everyone and anyone? It's a melting pot. And I keep saying this to people, like some of the retailers that we've been in um, or that wanted to, to take us in and some of the ones that I researched, um, they kept on trying to sort of mold... Uh, the brand that I've created into their market and I was like one of the reasons you picked me is because you don't have a brand like me mm. 
So why are you then trying to contour me into your audience? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make sense. But what people are not doing is asking uh, those, what we call, I use the word influencers, meaning not through Instagram, but those people that are um, sort of in in the neck, in their spaces, like you guys doing what you're doing and trying to um, cause disruption in a positive way to get people to wake up to actually identify what it is, what it is you're trying to achieve. What are your intentions? Yeah. And we're not doing that enough. We have so much more we could talk about and we're an hour in. So, oh yeah, we didn't even, I didn't even finish getting to tell you my story, but yeah, yeah. We, have to, we, have to, we, we have to finish. Got a bit hard to cover clothes and stuff, you know. <laughs> no, we're still clothed. But the, the last thing that I think I want to go over, and we prepared you for it, was one of your funniest stories or one of oh, your yeah. one of your horror stories. We always say funny and horror story usually go hand in hand yeah. in our industry. Every yeah. horror story I had is hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is. This is really, it's actually really upsetting. It's kind of scarred me for life. Um, cut a long story. As we're laughing. Yes. Cut a long story very short. Um, I, was, I was in my teenage years in school and uh, I wanted to soften the texture of my hair uh, oh, to no. have this jerry curl. And <laughs> my mum went out and bought a, a shop box relaxer. Uh, so we bought a, a texturizer, which I now know is just basically a relaxer. Uh-huh. Just, you just yeah. leave it on. You don't leave it on as long. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, we put it on our hair before we go to the school prom. And now we'll get my hair Wait, in. you left it on... Wait. <laughs> Repeat that Wait, I know, no, 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 it's really bad. I'm trying to skip over as much as I can. Um, and then, oh, it was just, oh, it was so disastrous. Like, I'm still so speaking. You, and, you put so it you on your head. We put it, we put it on, and obviously... Who's we? Like, there was a... Mom. Me and my mum. She put it on herself, too? No, no, she put oh, it on my just hair. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you went where? No, no, so I was going to the prom and was having school pictures taken, uh, like, within, like, a week of each I, other. I thought you went to the prom with, with it on no. your head. Well, well... Okay. Tell you. So, oh my god, I can't believe I'm really getting really detailed with it. I haven't really digged into the details. <sighs> but so we basically the idea I was going to soften. I had an afro, grew my hair out. We we prepped it, and we went and got this box relaxer, uh, texturizer, and then <laughs> put it on my hair. We mixed it, put it on, and then to my understanding, because it was making your hair curly or loose curl, the longer you leave it on, the uh, curlier your hair is going to go. Perm. Little did I know. Did you have, do you have pictures? Did you happen to oh, get a blister? Or blister? <laughs> I'm still fucking picking scabs with my scalp 30 years later. I kid you not. I kid you not. So um, I, uh, oh we, we, uh, so I basically said like leave it on for like three, four minutes. I think 10, 15 minutes later it was still on my scalp. And then I went to wash it off. Oh my God, I'm sweating. I'm almost boiling to tears. I know, it's really right anxiety, now. actually. I went There's to bend... There's little lip quiver. Yeah. I went to bend over to this... I'm sweating. I went to bend over to wash my head off, and I couldn't wash it out because my head was <gasps> burning so much. It, um, like, hurt to wash it. I had blisters. Oh, oh my God. big blisters on my scalp. I couldn't... I don't even know if I washed... I so I tried to rinse it off, and then I couldn't comb through oh, the I, hair. The hair was bone straight. <laughs> Uh, and I was a redhead, so now my head was like fluorescent red <laughs> because the relaxer strips your yeah. colour as well. So I've got this like fluorescent ginger hair, bone it's straight. No, out. it wasn't sticking out. It was all stuck together because my oh, scalp, because the blood. Um, so it was it was really tender. We put conditioner on it, combed it back. So I had this kind of like 
slick <laughs> straight hair do you have a photo? Caribbean boy we took no fucking pictures how dare you for even three ask years, for that he, no pictures right. and then I couldn't touch my hair and then I woke up the next morning and because I had all these wait blisters, you went to the prom wait so we woke up the next morning um, we woke up the next morning and um, they because my hair was bleeding so the scabs had bled oh. on my head and then stuck on my hair together so I had all these just big clumps of just oh it was God. really bad I thought would you and comb your hair with Neosporin like no, what no, happened no no I combed it with a comb but then my scalp was still bleeding uh, and then because I didn't touch it it dried the blood dried and had all this oh. Oh, it was an absolute disaster and then I remember going to school with a, a hat and a bandana on and then they kind of uh, um, told me not to come into school until I took my hat off and you were like no. that's not going to happen no. <laughs> uh, but it was a very valuable lesson there when I came to use relax on my clients I was extremely conscious about yeah. it um, I very very rarely used a relaxer back in the day on my clients and I based oh the gosh. hell out of their scalp uh, and I would never put it on their scalp and it was just it was interesting from an experience that I went through really set me up to be heavily conscious and cautious in terms of my application chemicals um, are no joke people 100%. we take them for advantage yeah I think like, most people you know luckily it happened to me and not to a client that I was working on but I did the uh, same perm my hair once I yeah. did we had the opposite oh, experience I, I left scabs on my scalp <laughs> oh yeah so you know what I'm talking about Bleach. Oh, bleach. Oh, I did it with bleach as well. Why do hairdressers always put their hair up? I don't know. Hair, no, that, it's, always it's always with bleach. It's yeah. always They're always like, always I'm just going to put bleach on We always uh, leave it on longer than we know we shouldn't leave it I'm on. I'm like, yes. That's what it is. I'm always like, oh, it's done? Yes, Five more minutes. And I also... Uh, yeah, I bleached it recently because I got bored with it, but... Uh, yeah. And why do we forget not to use... Like, Face. Just yeah, like, we're like we're just cooking it. It won't happen yeah, to me. Right. Forget it's all the rules. We're like that's what it is. Forty volume for three hours. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And then we'll and then cry. Then, yeah. And then it doesn't ever actually work. No, no. they need to call your other hairdresser friend. Yeah, to come and exactly. fix the problem all the time. And we're always doing it with not enough time to do it in as well. <laughs> Don't try this at home. Just there are, there already have. That should be a different right podcast now. called yeah, Don't, Don't Try This, this at, at Home. <laughs> exactly. So if people want to follow your crazy adventures mm-hmm. and see what you do and see some of your BTS mm-hmm. that you so perfectly curate, mm-hmm. how would they follow you? You guys can follow me on Instagram, uh, Vernon Francois, which is V-E-R and Francois is F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S. And just follow me there. Next time you're here, we'll continue because there's so yes. much more to talk about. I know oh there's so gosh. much more we didn't get into. I know. How good for me. 2.0. <laughs> people will, I have a feeling people are going to really want you back on. So. Well, I'm, I was going to say I'm available, which I'm kind of not available. But you're I never can be, available. You're yes. literally never available. Well, but I hit you up. You did. Yeah, I was like, here. That's why I was like, Sid, get out of jury duty. Yeah, yeah. I did. Just get out of jury duty. Yeah. Yeah, this is, I hope I told them. Oh, you did? No. You like, I was like, I can't today. Well, I had a fantastic time and awesome. thank you guys and yeah, I also just wanted to say thank you for you guys for taking the initiative to do what you're doing and I hope that more people can be influenced by the journey that you guys are on and do it together because yeah. there's, there's, there's power in numbers yeah. thank you no thanks for supporting us thank and you. we hope to talk to you guys very soon and that's it yeah. that's what all we got for you bye bye Make sure to reach out to us on Instagram at Destroy the Hairdresser. And for more information on all things DTH, visit us at destroythehairdresser.com. 